Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast with myself, Conor McGilligan, your multimedia producer and host for today. And I'm joined by Simon Bykowski, your chief Manchester City writer, discussing everything Manchester City. Thanks for stopping by with us today. Um, Podcasts are flying out at this moment in time. We had one for you Friday. We had a post-match pod for you as well. Make sure you check that out. And we're back here with your main podcast breathe how are you doing Sai? you all right i'm all right we're just in a different room today aren't we i don't know where to sit i feel like i'm being interrogated a bit it's it's all right yeah Do you prefer yeah. it though i kind of it is it's area in it it's um nice and bright but yeah we'll wait and see i'm probably getting told off for twitching all, all over the place, <laughs> yeah i've uh it's dealing with uh different studio spaces is uh it's interesting but it's quite nice it's the, the variation is good i think yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Big weekend. Um, we've spoken about it several times. I think surprising as well. I mean, me and you were talking about the Newcastle game and and I mean, you said 2-2, which we'll speak on at the end. Um, but I guess it was a tight game, wasn't it? But the reflection on it for me, from a personal point of view, looking at it was City were largely dominant. And I was I was honestly, just as a as a as someone who's like, you know, someone who doesn't obviously support City or Newcastle from an outsider's perspective, I was looking at it and thinking, I was quite disappointed with Newcastle to be honest. And I thought it reaffirmed Manchester City's sort of stronghold on the league with obviously those two in a bit of a top four battle really. Yeah, I was I was the same. Um, you know, I read before the game that Newcastle have never beaten City in the league at the Etihad which is like astonishing when it's celebrating 20 years um, and you thought they can't have had many better chances to beat them than, than Saturday night you know City were had already sort of expressed how difficult it was going to be coming after Athens and you know more time where they can't really train properly and um, more injuries we've got John Stones out now to last the international break and Bernardo missing so um, it, and Guardiola kind of didn't hide how tough it was to be without De Bruyne because obviously the De Bruyne news came through this week that he's missing you know up to six months so it was it was a really kind of city against the walls and you you're waiting for Newcastle you know we've all seen the sort of Eddie Howe team talk before the United game riling them up and you you, sort, prime. you sort of think like you know get them pumped up. They've just beaten Villa 5-1. Go out of the Etihad and, and show what you can do. And and they just didn't. That was the narrative though before the game as well, wasn't it? It was like, they just beat, which is an unbelievable win, by the way. Let's not gloss yeah. over that against Villa. Yeah, but. yeah, no, it was huge. And certainly, you know, you look Villa straight back to form beating Everton. So it, it was a really big win against a really good team. And you think, right, now's your chance. Follow it up. Here's your statement win to say, we're going to be top four challengers, if not, you know, title challengers and really go for it. And um, and they didn't. And you've got to give City immense credit for 
doing, you know, I don't know whether it was more City not letting them um, sort of have a go or them not having a go, but you just felt from the outset that um, Newcastle weren't really up for it as much as City were up for it. Yeah, because Pep was, um, he was speaking in his press conference at the start and uh, he, obviously before the game and he was asked if he thought that they were title contenders and he was almost like, well, if they can keep it together in Europe, then yes. I don't know, I was still a little bit surprised by that. I don't know if he was just because Pep naturally gives opposition so much praise, doesn't he? And maybe we're yeah. taking a little bit too much from that, but I don't know if I see Newcastle at all this season in the same bracket as Man City. No, well, I think they've got a chance. They've got a chance, but it's um, it's funny because like Guardiola said before this and before Arsenal and whatever, like we've got to make up for kind of our lack of fitness or rest in other ways. And you know, it was it was noticeable. Like the um, you had three club legends bringing the trophies out at the start of the game. Fantastic, that by the way. Like the banners coming down. Like the players had to Newcastle players had to walk out past the three trophies City had won. And it was a real kind of like, yeah, just remember who you're playing against. Like, it will take a lot to beat us, even if we're not kind of in in full form. And that that was really kind of City taking control of the evening and they didn't let them go kind of as soon as the whistle started. It was like, no, you're going to need a lot to beat us and Newcastle didn't have it. First half was dull, wasn't it? I thought it was pretty dull. But like you're saying, I thought the only major threat they had really was Anthony Gordon but up against Kyle Walker who was phenomenal it, it, it was always going to be a difficult task for the youngster wasn't it yeah I mean Anthony Gordon is like a very promising talent but it was like the only thing Walker didn't do was like send him off with milk and cookies when he <laughs> yeah. when he went off it was just like a complete schooling of it like was, yeah. again you know Walker been there done it many times before against very good opponents Um, Mbappe Vinicius yeah yeah I mean he was asked about Vinicius last season after Real Madrid you know whether this is like the best and he was like I've I've played some faced some pretty good players and and he has and you know he's faced players better than Gordon and um, Gordon just couldn't couldn't get the slightest sniff against him it was um, it was you know properly impressive and imposing because again Gordon was probably one of the players who Newcastle would have looked to kind of um, disrupt City a bit. Um, last season at St James's they played and like Miguel Almiron was was terrific, but they just couldn't get going against City. It made me laugh that they built the narrative as well. It was like, oh, last weekend Anthony Gordon has set this pace. And it was like, <laughs> oh, we're really setting that narrative against Kyle Walker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Um, yeah, it, it it was it was controlling and, and as well, like Walker kind of pretty much had the whole right flank as well to himself because of the way City Yeah, he was a little bit more right right wing as yeah, well at points, wasn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. They like played that way once in pre season in summer and it was quite strange then and Walker didn't really do it that well, but he was much better and um and again it was like Guardiola kind of Right, you're going to play this way that we don't normally play, and Newcastle are going to have to deal with it. And the the analyst, the Newcastle analysts were kind of sat next to me in the press box, and um, took them like 15 minutes, and then they were like, "Oh, what? Walker's on the right. Walker's <laughs> the one on the right that we need." And it's like, you know, if it's if it's like fooling everyone who's watching it, it's probably not doing much for Newcastle, kind of on the pitch, working out exactly what they need to do and who they need to stop. And um, yeah, they they didn't really find the answers. I know this is a really obvious thing to say, but you know when they're having that dinner, literally 
seven to ten days ago in Manchester, Pep and Walker, you're wondering if he was having <laughs> this discussion with him. It's like, you know, there's a new role for you here. It is kind of striking how, you know, City started the Champions League final without Walker and clearly found a way to play without him. But not only is he key for certain, you know, individual battles, but especially now Mares has gone, there is the opportunity that he um, he takes on even kind of a new and a bigger role this year. And, you know, as well with um, the unfortunate injuries to De Bruyne that's kind of him out of the team it's kind of also uh, makes his chance of being captain very slim because you're mm. kind of not going to appoint someone as captain who's you know missing for six months so again from Walker's point of view that kind of elevates him him further he was captain again last on Saturday night so um, yeah he's kind of grown in importance with with departures yeah I, th- I think so and players departing, players coming in. I mean, you look at Kovacic again. He, he looks different to when he played for Chelsea for me. I, I feel when he was at Chelsea, it was a little bit more rigid, like he had a specific role, which was a little bit maybe more defensive. I think with City, you've seen him break the lines a lot and, you know, glide through with the ball a lot, which maybe when Chelsea sold him to City, a lot of Chelsea fans were saying, you know, I'm not sure about this. Like, I don't know how it work at City. But you feel like already Pep's got his talons into him you know it's one of those where already I've seen because I, I, I think Kovacic is a magnificent footballer and but he looks different how he's gone about these first couple of games well I was going to say you're the big Kovacic fan I so am. do you like the change yes I do because I think I think he's got so many capabilities in that midfield that embellishing on that is only going to benefit City and I think I just love how his first thought consistently is forward you know, you get so many midfields in the Premier League, don't you try to get those stats up and keep possession and go laterally and backwards? But I always think with Kovacic, the first thing is forward. And um, yeah, I thought that was pretty evident against Newcastle, to be honest. Yeah, and I think we're in this space where City are kind of... They, the, the squad feels a bit thin and a bit short and you're not kind of sure who's playing where, but it's also kind of more fluid than ever and sort of Kovacic can can play as a six or an eight or whatever and you're sort of used to playing them a, a role for a specific game but kind of against Newcastle you had Kovacic kind of dropping back to be a six alongside Rodri and then Foden moving in from the wing to be a ten alongside Alvarez and then Kovacic would come forward in the game and support them and it's again it's like if it's possible if it's difficult for everyone to keep up it's going to be difficult for opponents to keep up and when you've got someone like Kovacic you can move the ball forward um, and kind of push through it gives City a bit of something else and the balance looks nice already between him and Rodri as well doesn't it yeah yeah they look like um, players that kind of yeah have played together for a lot longer than they have yeah I just the guys Rodri's performance it just there's no point in talking about it but you kind of have to a lot of the time because it's like I mean obviously I was reading your player ratings from the other night and I completely agree it's just Every single match, he's top three, isn't it? And there's a conversation. Is he City's best player? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's certainly the one who, if he got injured, I think that would present the most problems for City. Exactly, and that's you know when you look at Kevin De Bruyne, it's like yeah. they've managed to fill that gap a little bit. Maybe Erling Haaland to be able to fill that gap a little bit with Alvarez with his goal contribution. Yeah. Rodri, it's like if he's out of that side, it's it's yeah. massive, isn't it? Well, I mean, at the same time, kind of you know, he played so many games last year and he's already had to speak to the coaches and say, look, I, I can't do that again. Um, and, 
you know, he was played again on, he played in Athens for the full game and he played full game against Newcastle. Like, he, he does kind of need rest or there will, might come a time where they are really tested with kind of, how do you cope without him? Maybe it's just against the lowerly teams you, you drop Kovacic into that role or bring, dare we say, Calvin Phillips in. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, they just have to be kind of really, really careful to make sure they protect him. We've got to talk centrally as well because we've just spoken about those two, but man of the man of the moment, I mean, he was, we know we're going to talk about, he's been the, the talk of the weekend really when it comes to Man City, Phil Foden. Um, on the half turn, just... I thought he was and, and once again you've got to look at the opposition again it's Newcastle they were such a well-structured team they're so rigid they're so narrow when they're defending and compact him to consistently be finding those pockets of space and being able to go on the half turn and Haaland obviously I, I thought Haaland was pretty poor to be honest with you and I thought Foden was unlucky not to get a couple of assists but he was fantastic on his side on, yeah on. yeah yeah I mean he played kind of in that role in midweek and wasn't great and the whole team weren't great against um severe and and sort of yeah again it's had the feel of like will he finally move into midfield or will he be needed more on the wings um and when the team lined up I thought he was going to be on the wing but then he moved inside and he was just showing everyone what he can do um you know that is him at his best where he's bossing the game and he feels when he's more in the middle he can be more involved in the game and have more responsibility and that is kind of what we saw really um he was he was so lively every time he got it and yeah creating chances for for Harlem where on another day he would have he would have taken one or two so yeah he was clearly um the best player and he, it's important for him for club and country because you know on match of the day certainly a lot of the talk was like what how does he fit into the England team and they were talking about kind of a, a Rice Bellingham Foden midfield, which mm. which sounds pretty tasty, um, but he is at that age where a player of his talent needs to be playing every week for club and needs to be starting for his country regularly, um, and he will kind of only do that probably once he fixes into a position. Yeah, it's consistency, isn't it? Because with Kev, you see most weeks it's. Eight out of ten, isn't it? And I think that's the thing with it's like you've quite rightly said against Sevilla, who maybe were breaking the game up a little bit more, which you'd expect from Sevilla, but yeah. he needs to adapt to a lot of teams in, in in European football to be able to play that ten consistently, doesn't he? Yeah, I feel like De Bruyne just has this this tempo of playing that like is his own in world football. Like he seems to be playing in his own time zone. It's about three seconds ahead of everyone else. Like Foden has has got it and the the word that they mention with Foden is like control and sort of defensive responsibilities but also just like mastering the tempo of a game mm. and he's certainly got it in some games he just needs to find that sort of unique mark um, that means that he is important in, in kind of any game no matter who it's against. Yeah because I kind of look at De Bruyne and I think if City are dull, if it's not quite working for them, De Bruyne can just left foot, right foot. He's, got, he's such a pure striker of the ball. Yeah. He can just create something out of absolutely. He can win. He's a, he's a match winner, isn't he? Yeah. And probably yeah, that's yeah. probably the difference between them at the minute, isn't it? It's yeah. De Bruyne is that match winner by himself. Yeah, and you know, you you measure up against De Bruyne, you are measuring yourself against kind of one of the best players ever seen in world football. So you do have to kind of. Make these, yeah, but but that is the level that Foden wants to be at, and there's no reason why with this potentially can't be in that bracket. 
Um, so that's what he needs to do. Yeah, 100%. It did feel like it was a, felt like City were little, I think Walker is probably symptomatic of this with Gordon, but it did feel they little boyed Newcastle a little bit. And I always remember Bruno Gamares speaking last season and he was almost like, when City are on the pitch, there's just like 15 players that you don't know what to do. And you saw him caught in possession quite a few times. And it was interesting because, um, you know, getting to, getting to that level, getting to City's level is just going to be so difficult consistently. And it did feel a little bit of, I know it's, it's early on, but two clean sheets starting relatively quickly by City standards, even with injuries. Is it the sign of champions? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, and kind of going back to what, you know, we were saying about being disappointed by Newcastle. It kind of, it felt, you know, we were, we were excited to see what Newcastle would bring and ultimately kind of what the mark they left most of the game was kind of like late tackles on City players. You know, um, Gordon, pretty nasty one on Walker in the first half and then... It was frustration, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, again, um, no, it was on Diaz, sorry. Um Yes. And then in the second half, and and Bruno left one on um, Foden, I think, in the second half, and and it was just like City were quicker and stronger than them, and like all Newcastle could do was try and, to try and stop them was was to foul them, and uh, before the first goal, it was just kind of like wave after wave of City pressure and not letting the ball go and not letting Newcastle out of their their third, and that and that builds, and that is what they can do to kind of any team. We kind of saw it spectacularly against Real Madrid when they just didn't take their foot off the throat but they they did it again to Newcastle before the the all-important goal and yeah it it was to say there are still kind of problems and you know when they were 1-0 down to Sevilla you sort of write in a match report that is very different to the match report than when they've just beaten Newcastle at having beaten Sevilla as well so it was a really big week for City and you know the the squad isn't finished and the team can still get a lot better. Um, but in terms of, you know, mentality and everything else that Guardiola has been talking about that can make up for these things that they don't have yet, um, it is a sign that, yeah, it'll take a hell of an effort to beat them again. Mm. Just quickly finishing on the, the player summary as well. What do you make of Julian Alvarez at the minute? I mean, the goal contributions when he plays are just, I mean, it's, it's seamless, isn't it? I mean, what, an unbelievable signing I think what a lot of people don't touch on really is how good a finisher he is he's a fantastic finisher isn't he and you're almost thinking to yourself once again where's he going to fit is he going to be starting is it going to be a rotation thing is it just because obviously City are a little bit lacklustre in that midfield that he's going to be featuring a little bit more where do you sort of see his positioning this year in terms of the City squad yeah I think it's a real big opportunity for him and especially considering De Bruyne is injured and Alvarez more often than not last season played when De Bruyne didn't as kind of that uh, almost like a number 10 which isn't fully what the team have been doing but it kind of works sometimes and yeah it, it, it's difficult in that sense he's still kind of he's involved in a lot of goals without necessarily kind of um, standing out I would say uh, obviously on Saturday he was the match winner um, but you still feel like there's a lot more to come or maybe the team aren't playing to his strengths as such. He's, ne he's never going to be that that striker without Haaland. Uh, yeah. You know, while Haaland's in the team, he's going to be the number nine. So, um, so Alvarez has to find another way into the team. But 
without De Bruyne and without Gundogan, there is, you know, the need for someone to link up with Haaland kind of centrally and play balls ahead of him and link with him. Um, and Foden will try and do that, but Alvarez as well is quite important, I think, for doing that. Um, so I can see a lot of minutes and opportunities ahead for him um, to sort of try and grow into the team, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's going to be it for Act 1, everybody. We're going to be back with Act 2, speaking about the Premier League weekend and Manchester City potential transfers. See you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Do we start with transfers? We'll start with the Premier League weekend. We'll start with the Premier League. We'll get on to transfers in a little bit. I know it can be largely frustrating, but we'll get on to that. Um, the Premier League weekend, we spoke about this last week, almost previewing and reviewing what had happened. Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United. Um, lol. Uh, it, it, was a, it was an interesting weekend. Probably the Spurs-Man United game was the big standout. I thought Spurs were pretty impressive. Man United lacklustre again. And you're looking at that team, aren't you? And you're thinking, goodness me. I mean, people once again saying at the start of the... I mean, I know it's early, but people saying that they're going to be challengers. And... Yeah, I mean, a horrendous week off the pitch for United. Um, and on the pitch, I didn't think they were terrible. Like They, create, they, they missed... They had some bad misses from some good chances. But... Um, but kind of, yeah, Spurs looked good to watch. And Spurs, with the new manager, there's just a feeling that there's some positivity there. Like, to have lost Harry Kane this week and that to not be like the, the end of the club, kind of. Um, it, it feels like there's a lot of positives going into this season with Spurs and they kind of showed that um, in the first home game and, and deserved the win. And it... It looked like it's going to be fun for Spurs fans to watch and quite fun for neutrals to watch. With United, a club as big as United are always in trouble when they don't win. Um, and, you know, they've, they've kind of got lucky against Wolves. Um, and, you know, you see Wolves this weekend getting battered by Brighton. You're like, well, if that's your level, then if you're playing a better team than Wolves, then you might struggle. And, you know, I don't think they could consider themselves kind of unlucky to lose to Spurs. It was it was a deserved victory for for Spurs. So um yeah, problems for for United. Um and yeah, I mean it was, you know, they've signed this new keeper who's gonna take them to the next level. And I agree with the signing and he played a very good ball um to uh, forward in the first half to start an attack, but when the ball P rolls into the net from twenty five yards you're going to look a bit a bit daft and people are going to ask, what are you doing? Um, so, yeah, questions over a big new signing already, questions over a big new signing that they made up front who isn't fit to start. Um, and, yeah, you know, City are ahead of them in points already and you sort of wonder whether that will be that for the season. 
Well, yeah, and two still big tasks for City. I mean, we don't need to go over it again, but obviously it's huge tasks like Burnley, let's be honest, like going into that game of the momentum that they've had and all this sort of stuff, Vincent Company, supposedly going to be a, a really tough game for City. They managed that really well. Newcastle, as we've spoken about, was going to be a tough one. Um, so two really tough fixtures, in my opinion, for City to start with. But then, you know, you're looking at the others and obviously Chelsea have had Liverpool, haven't they started with? But then again, you look at them this weekend, wasn't impressed whatsoever. Chelsea again, West Ham, I thought you know, um, defended really well and hit them where it hurt when it counted. And once again, you are looking, I know it's early, you're looking at the competition and you're thinking, City are still yards ahead. Did you manage to catch Chelsea again? Yeah, I, I think from from what we know of football, we kind of want Chelsea to be better this season. Because like, well, they've got Pochettino, who's a really good coach and experience, and they've got some good new players. So things should be better. But at the same time, there's so much kind of, underlying that's wrong with Chelsea mm. and they've signed so many players and they've got you know Reese James injured again and um and Kunku obviously is a big a big miss because I think he was looking pretty bright in uh, pre-season I think he scored a hat-trick against City last season so um and they want another striker now apparently confirmed this morning says Poch there's so much change that it's going to take time to gel and like there's been so much kind of negativity around West Ham uh kind of from I don't know, overblow that, but like, you know, they've they've lost Rice and they've not really replaced him properly, even yeah. though they've had time to to get rid of him. I think they were the only team for a while not to make a signing uh, until they, they signed that guy from Ajax. So um but they showed this week, kind of in similar to City, what that how good they are even without kind of big new signings and how difficult it is in the Premier League to beat any team and that's why you know it was a big for City to w beat Newcastle but it's always big at this time of the season just to get points because you know United lost Liverpool and Chelsea kind of drew on the the opening weekend so Liverpool have lost points Liverpool found it pretty tough to um to overcome Bournemouth at the weekend so it's you can't sort of underestimate how important it is just to get three points at the start of the season and you know we kind of expect City to to drop some at some point in their opening six games but now they've got those first two out of the way schedule looks pretty good it does look very good yeah I think like you just said a lot of the other teams and the reason we mention these other teams is because it all circles back to City but Man United there looks like a lack of balance completely a lack of synergy um, Mount questionable um, obviously the big summer recruit is that going to work with Bruno Fernandes in there but then you're looking at that Chelsea side they're after a striker still looks a little bit unbalanced there's just so many players there so many good players but as we know with Pep it's all about getting that fusion isn't it of those good players um, Liverpool I mean I watched Liverpool at the weekend and I was thinking they're desperately missing a defensive midfielder um, Bournemouth were just driving through that central yeah. space and you think to yourself like a lot of these teams still have massive profiles missing and if City just continue winning 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 everybody everybody thinks City are going to have a slow start naturally don't they so yeah 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 and um, it was a strange one because Liverpool kind of like fully deserved the win but also could have drawn easily mm. like the chances they gave up in the last 10 minutes and um, kind of you know that um the guy was only just offside uh, right at the start. Yeah. It could have been, you know, 2 0 down inside three, three minutes, which would have been insane. Um, so, yeah, it, it's like you say, like, we'll come on to transfers and City still kind of need players in the squad, you would think, that would 
that can play a lot in the first team, but as as long as you keep adding those three points, um, it, it it's really, really important. And that's a sort of terrible thing to say in it, like winning makes you good. But, um, but it is like, as long as you can pick up points and the teams around you don't, um, you, you're on to an advantage already. Outgoings, incomings. So you've done an article recently about Laporte. Obviously, potentially, if he goes out, the summer sales up to 100 million. Hugely positive in terms of you know City doing the business correctly, really. It's good. Um, the fee feels a bit low, um, but also the kind of lack of interest around him feels low because he's an amazing defender. Um, you know, it, it does seem odd that he's not going to a, another top European club. Was the Real Madrid interest real? Or? I think there was a bit. I, I don't think there was enough kind of to, to tempt him because it, it, it's kind of taken a few days for him to accept the offer as well. Kind of it was Wednesday um, the when City accepted the bid. So it wasn't like he was straight over um, for his medical and whatever. It's taken him a few days to, to weigh it up. So yeah, I'm, I'm surprised there was not as much interest as there was because I, I don't know whether City would have charged you know Premier League clubs significantly more maybe but it still feels odd that no Premier League clubs kind of thought he was um, worth having in a market where better, where kind of worse players have gone for a lot more money Arsenal would have been obvious wouldn't it left side of centre yeah, back yeah 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 see again I'm, I don't know if City maybe didn't want to sell to Arsenal but um, but yeah, it, it, it surprised me. Um, so obviously good for City that they get a decent fee. Um, they're not kind of looking for a replacement because they've got Guardiola in and they are well stocked in the defence. Um, but it is another kind of experienced guy who, who goes out the door. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I didn't even realise there was a, the total sales up to 100 million. I mean, that's... It's a good little balancer, um, but then obviously there's a lot of chat about Jeremy Doku, uh, Lucas Paqueta again. Um, any news, Si? Yeah, I mean, you know, in all this kind of talk about it being good that they've raised over 100 million or whatever, you don't get any prizes for that. You don't get sort of any, uh, you know, net spend trophies or anything <laughs> like that. And they are looking to spend, so they will spend if they can. But obviously Paqueta was was the big one and it felt like it was really kind of ramping up last week after De Bruyne's the time frame of De Bruyne's injury um, I'm not sure I'm not sure like yeah there was kind of a discrepancy between the figures even before all the stuff about um, betting came out and it, it was a bit like Doku it was kind of like you know the selling club saying well we would like this amount of money if he's going to go and there's no kind of guarantee it's almost trying to sort of push City into going there and often they they don't um, but it, it's a strange situation as well because kind of um, you know there's there's obviously interest in Doku and he would be a big um, a big a big signing and would come in and expect to play a lot and he was I think he was the best player at Ren last week and then wasn't in the team and the manager was like make of that what you will um, but then it's sort of City looks short just on bodies, but they've got like Palmer and McAtee who are potentially good options, but untested options at City. Um, but I mean, we spoke to Cole Palmer after he sort of won his Man of the Match award in Athens and 
But he was saying, you know, I want to play regularly. So if I can't play, if they bring like other people in, then maybe. Well, unless City offer him the guarantee that he will play regularly. But it, but but you look at that bench. You look at the bench against Newcastle, and yeah, they're missing Bernardo, Stones, and De Bruyne. Mm. But De Bruyne is out for six six months, um, so he's kind of not coming back anytime soon. You're like, well, you, even if they bring in one player, you're only like, you're you're almost almost gonna be always gonna be in the matchday squad if you Palmer or McAtee kind of. So if you are always in the matchday squad you've always got a chance of playing that's not what it means though is it no no it's not but it is it's better than it mm. than others have had and you know both Palmer's in a position where he wants to or he feels like he needs to play regularly for his development having um, not gone on loan last season and kind of struggled at City um, and McAtee obviously starred for Sheffield United um, last season and is not short of of offers still, despite City kind of not encouraging clubs to, to to come in with offers. So, but you're almost at that point where, yeah, like would signing new players sort of almost negate the fact that the squad's got bigger because then you're seeing other people leave and he's signing Doku for uh, 50 million or whatever worth it if Palmer then goes. Yeah. Um, it's weird as well because um with with regards to with regards to McAtee and Palmer, it's it's if they're to go out to another Premier League club, if they're to play every single game, hypothetically, what's going to aid the development more? Is it gonna be in is it gonna be on the bench for Man City where yes, in training, you're still around the squad, you're still around Champions League match days, that's all that's obviously beneficial, but is it better for their personal development on the pitch to be playing week in, week out in the Premier League. Yeah, and also what they want. And, you know, say McAtee after playing week in, week out for a championship club and there's Premier League clubs and uh, among the clubs interested in him who would want to play him every week. Um, but obviously at a lower level than City, so would that be better than sticking around and taking a chance? It is... It's really hard because, you know, like Zinchenko is the classic example of yeah. this. He stayed and fought for his place at City and got his opportunities and he is kind of the shining example of why you should wait around. But, you know, in some windows, City were actively telling him, like, you won't get in the team, you should leave mm. and, like, accepted bids for him. So, it, it, and he only got his chance because of injuries that might not come to other come again in other positions for other people so it's really hard to know what what to do as a player and do, I know do, do you think he'd be looking at a Phil Foden and thinking he's almost been on that periphery for so long now he's he's been on the on, on the skirts really and he's still not got that 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 position nailed do you think he'll be looking at that and thinking I don't really want that it's tough because um Foden you know, stayed amid kind of a lot of cries for him to go out on loan and and he stayed and he's had tremendous success, but now it's almost like that situation of like, oh, well, you can't say that it was, you, you almost like can't fault the plan now just because it's worked, but really there might have been some times where he might have been better to get game time or things like that. So, and, and we're now at a point where everyone's like, well, he needs to play in the middle 
at some point soon, but he's still not guaranteed to play in the middle. So what, you know, is he supposed to sit around and play on the wings until he's 31, mm. waiting for his chance? And, you know, it, it's almost like you can't, you can't question Guardiola's methods because he's won so much and got so much out of the team. But it, it, it isn't all kind of designed, um, isn't inevitable that kind of things will be successful and come off and kind of I saw you know a bit of criticism towards Palmer for speaking honestly and saying I want to play regularly but it's like well the the footballers they they should want to play regularly and and you know I'll stay and fight for your place but if you're not being told that you will get regular minutes or you know it's very much every every week at City you have to prove yourself and you have to prove yourself again no matter how decorated you are and it's tiring and it's demanding and you know it, it we've seen with other senior players that after a few years they they fancy something else um so it, it really is hard for these players trying to make it to know exactly what the right decision is it is yeah but i'd kind of i kind of want a player to want to stay and want to fight that's what i'd want anyway i think i quite like those attributes to be honest yeah yeah i get that but then if yeah if you're being offered something that you think is much better um it it is it is really hard you know the the likes of palmer and mcatee could stay and then barely play because you know bernardo and foden or someone are so irresistible that they can't get out the team so it's like yeah and sort of City didn't want to let McAtee go last season on loan and then would he have played much? Would he have come on a lot? Whereas instead they were actually really impressed with how he did at Sheffield United and he's probably added, you know, 20 million onto his uh, value by going to Sheffield United on loan. So it, it's like what they didn't think was the right decision at the, t- at the time has become the right decision. Yeah. So now again, you're like, well, what, what do you do this season that you think is the right decision and hope it is but it might not be mm. yeah Oscar Bob's another one to keep an eye on for that isn't it? but um, yeah uh, guys we'll leave it there for Act 2 and we're going to be back for Act 3 in just a moment hello everybody welcome back to the Talking City podcast fantasy football chat um, I brought a kanji in this week um, did really well kept Edison in didn't have a mare like I did the other week absolutely horrendous week which saw me sink to the bottom of every table I've been involved in um, how did you do this week? Uh, no not good not good yeah 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 I've got three Arsenal so I need them to them to do well uh, very well and yeah it just week one I was like yep was week one easier? Very I felt it was easier. Season. Um, <laughs> I feel like more sort of conventional things happened yeah. in week one, whereas week two it was just like, oh, I mean, you know, Haaland not scoring is a is a big aberration in the game now. He's in your team. Yeah, he's captain. Yeah. He's yeah. That was the frustrating thing, and it's, it's either Salah or Haaland, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but but City are. A, I think I've only got one City at the minute. City are a funny team because they are the best team in the league, but in terms of fantasy football assets. They don't really have many. Yeah, I don't think they have. I think De Bruyne has always been the, the fixed one for ages now, hasn't he? So it, it was, but even last season, like you went off him and first half, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah, the season where he's poor. yeah, yeah. And then you know his price 
tag wasn't enough to tempt you this year and then if he was if it was enough then the deepest apologies <laughs> yeah very sorry yeah. but yeah there's no excuse for me i mean stones in my side first week i had yuri and timber as well injured just awful and, and you know what foden was in my side until the community shield oh, really? foden i had from like the very start of summer and i was like i reckon he's gonna play loads this year yeah. and then more and more pe people cottoned onto it and were like yeah foden's gonna play loads and i was like ah oh. and then community uh Guardiola press conference before the community shield where he was asked can he play in midfield and he was like mm, I feel offensively the only one you can really stick in now who's going to be consistent you hope he's got good numbers is Grealish because the rest it's just so interchangeable apart from Haaland isn't but it but Grealish doesn't get assists or no. goals really so it's like <laughs> problematic yeah yeah this is what I mean it's tough it's you know so you sort of need you need to find a good team that have you know like Saka starts every week for Arsenal that's the kind of thing that you uh, that you need. Although I, I'm tempted by a few more City players after after. And because this weekend Manchester City are playing against Sheffield United, which uh, we should just touch on. Um, Sheffield United away, not the best start. Obviously losing to Forest in the last minute, a Chris Wood goal, which should cripple any fan. Chris Wood <laughs> scoring a goal against them. Um, but yeah, Sheffield United, not the best start. Still my. Prediction for bottom three, hundred percent. They could even prop up the league. Who knows? But um, yeah, you're expecting. I mean, City have now got. Obviously, when you look at the fixture list, they've got Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, and then they've got Forest at home being the next home game. It's a good run for them. And you're looking at Sheffield United, and you're thinking on on, on Sunday a few a few, yeah. a few goals going. In yeah, there, so. yeah. And I think after Forest, they've got Wolves away. Um, yes. who look like they could prop up the table as well um, so yeah it, it's very promising and also because they didn't make any subs on Saturday despite being absolutely goosed from Athens so they will be very much enjoying kind of having eight days between games because Champions League will be starting up soon and they've got to be thinking about the club World we're Cup enjoying it aren't that. we yeah, it's a bit yeah, of a break yeah 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 <laughs> so um yeah, they um, they should be sort of rested and ready to um, to give their best against Sheffield United, which is bad news for Sheffield United. Although I thought they were they were better than I thought they were going to be against Forest. I thought Forest might sort of steamroller them at home, but they were they were okay. Yeah, Forest had, I, Forest had a horrendous preseason, and as also well. kind of another week to maybe um, get more more players in. You know they're yeah. they're one of the clubs like waiting on McAtee and the, Tommy Doyle who was um, good for them last last season. Um, so you know they have made a few moves, but they might make a few more. There's not going to be an uh, for me in this game. Um, and I know we're speaking about this on Monday the 21st and the games on the 27th, so it's a very elongated preview. But um, when you're looking at the rotation of this season, I don't think there's unless pending injury like you just said with yeah. eight de eight days rest yeah. you're expecting like that regular city side to be out there aren't you yeah i think so yeah um you know guardiola doesn't tend to rotate too much in the early kind of stages of the season where they do have kind of weeks between games rather than rather than days so i think we will see a, a similar team to to mm. the one that went out at, at newcastle yeah and we'll definitely have more stuff for you leading up to that game um 
Newcastle, uh, Si, you actually predicted a draw, which I was staggered with. Um, I went with a 2-1 City win, um, so both wrong again. Joe Bray, who was on the podcast on Friday, didn't get it right either. So no score predictions correct so far, which is largely embarrassing. Um, so now we are going to predict early on the Sheffield United-Man City game. Um, and I'm going to go first, okay. because you went first last right, time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with Sheffield United nil City 4 it's going to be a stonker an absolute stonker right see I was thinking 2-0 or 3-0 so whichever you didn't go for you're very reserved aren't you about City this season yeah yeah I'll go 3-0 McAtee (laughs) Hattrick Kyle Walker (laughs) oh god yeah another United link Uh, yeah Um, okay so so but convincing wins yes yeah yeah I think it should be um, pretty comfortable I can see kind of Harling getting an early goal again and similar to Burnley really that just kind of taking the the sting out of what will be another hostile crowd for them it will yeah but they're getting used to that now aren't they um guys that's going to be it from us thank you so much for joining us on the Talking City podcast another episode from our well, the first episode from our brand new studio, which will be decorated next Monday, I presume. Um, but guys, check out the website, of course. Leave us a five-star rating on all of your favourite podcast providers. You can check this out on YouTube as well in Living Colour. And we'll be back later on next week with some more Sheffield United build-up. We'll see you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers.